Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning again. Shabbat Shalom. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for being with us today. I thought this would be a great week uh, to speak about thankfulness or contentment or something like that, but um, (laughs) yeah, the thought of being tarred and feathered didn't really appeal to me. Um, But you know, I am thankful. Uh, I'm thankful that we don't have weather like that all the time, aren't you? Boy, it was terrible, but it's good to be here. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to share a little bit with you uh, today uh, on this race of faith uh, that is our life. Uh, by the way, I appreciate that special music. Um, you know, them boys keep practicing that. They're going to learn to play them guitars. <laughs> appreciate that so much. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Heavenly Father, as we come today, we're so thankful for this time that we have to be able to come together here uh, and to worship you and we thank you for your word and I pray, uh, Father, that in these brief minutes that you might help us, that we wouldn't be distracted by the things that are going on around us, but Father, that we might take these few minutes and that we would listen to you, not with our ears, but with our heart. And again, we thank you so much. I pray, uh, Father, that all that we do here today would bring your honor and glory, and we pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Yeshua Messiah. Hallelujah. I want to take just a couple minutes before I get started on the text uh, this morning. Some of you may be wondering, many people have asked, and probably many others have wondered and not asked, how it is that um, I even came to be here with you at all today. It's quite a mystery in a way, I guess. Um, uh, And and so I want to take a minute to try to share with you part of Ron and I's journey to where we are today to be here with you in this assembly, and and I pray that it might be an encouragement for someone who uh, might be finding themselves in a similar situation to what I found myself in in my life. And uh, about a year and a half ago, someone shared with Rhonda and I a YouTube video that was entitled something along the lines of how a mega church pastor came to Torah. And I don't know about his journey, but I want to share with you this morning briefly how a regular church pastor came to Torah. Um... And, and I want to preface this whole account by saying this. Um, the truth is that, that neither myself or Rhonda either were looking for some new faith. We weren't. Um, there was no real crisis in our life. We weren't window shopping for some new spiritual enlightenment or, or whatever. The truth was I think both of us were pretty much happy and content where we were. Um, I spent most of my life in the in the Baptist church. I was baptized in the church, married in a Baptist church, served for half of my life in one capacity or another in a Baptist church. 
I've, I've taught in the church, worked with children, worked with youth, been a deacon, done mission work, pulpit supply, dozens of committees that I'd served on. You know, our life was ingrained in the Baptist church and the culture of that. And, and at the age of 40, I, I, I really felt Yahweh placed in a calling on my life to work in the ministry. I quit a very good job to surrender full-time to work in the ministry and didn't know how that was going to work. Uh, I, I attended and graduated from one of the most uh, conservative, if not the most conservative, Southern Baptist College probably in this country. Uh, I've preached and taught literally all over the world. I've taught in churches large and small. I've taught in houses. I've taught in barns. I've preached in schools and hospitals and jails on the street. Uh, anywhere that, that you could preach, I've preached the gospel. I spent 13 years of my life in full-time ministry work and 10 of those as a senior pastor. Uh, I was comfortable, and I was comfortable because everything was familiar because everything was familiar. And I've already said I don't like new things, and Rhonda will attest to this. I come to new things by way of kicking and screaming. I've had the same uh, haircut since 1984. <laughs> Rhonda reminded me of that this morning. For you, for you legalists in the bunch, not literally the same haircut since, okay, I've had my haircut since 1984. Um... I don't like new things. I, when we came to Texas, we went to one of the first things that I wanted to do. We moved here six years ago. I went to the biggest boot place in, in, in our area. I wanted to buy a pair of boots to sort of kick off my new life in Texas. And, and they had about 300 pairs of boots in my size. Uh, the problem was they were all square toes. And I know square toes are more comfortable. I know. You can tell me all of those things, but the truth is, I like round toe boots because it's what I've always had. Okay? And I wouldn't even try the square ones on. That's a fact. <laughs> Still haven't tried them on. If somebody wants to buy me a pair, buy them and I'll try them. Okay? <laughs> you see. But Yahweh was working in my life and in Rhonda's life, I think, even through our contentment and our familiarity. Uh, and the simple truth was for me, I had questions. I had questions that um, weren't being answered by the doctrine of my church. Uh, I wondered why we held so tightly to uh, one part of the Bible and excluded the large majority of the rest of it. I wondered about that. I asked Rhonda one time some years ago, I said, I said how much of the Bible is relevant to us in our life today? And her question wasn't the last third. Or her answer, her answer was all of it. And, and I believe that. And so, you know, we begun to search and, and uh, really hold what we believe. It was important for us not, and I said this some time ago from here, for us the important thing for us was not what we believed. The important thing for us was why did we believe what we believed. And I began to hold many of the doctrines and the things that I believed up to uh, the truth of Scripture and what I found was many of them were lacking. And, and what I found was many of those things had nothing to do with what the Bible said but it had much to do with what men had been saying for some years.
Um, this is the test. Okay, it's not what's written in the doctrine of your church or of your assembly. It's what's written in the book. And so for me, Yahweh began to work in my life. And for me, the big, I think the, one of the principal things for me was, was the Sabbath. And once I had seen that, I couldn't unsee it. And, and, and because I couldn't unsee it, um, you know, I couldn't continue preaching in a Sunday church knowing that we were meeting on the wrong day. Can you, by the way, worship uh, Yahweh on Sunday? Yes, you can. I think you can. I think you can worship him on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. That's not the question. The question is, is greater. The question is this. Is it a sin not to worship him on the day that he said to do it? And it is. You know, so once I begin to see that and we begin to really kind of search, there are so many things in Scripture that just popped out to me, things I'd read a hundred times that meant nothing to me then that mean so much to me now. And I say all those things to say we're about a year and a half into this journey, of, and it is really for us a journey of faith. And I don't know where this is going to end up. I don't know what Yahweh has in store for us. And I know we don't know near what we should know, but we're so much closer today than we were a year ago. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, we started and we continue today on a walk of faith. And, 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 and by the way, isn't that the story for all of our life? Um, the Bible has a lot to say about faith. It says that we're saved by grace through faith. The Bible says that we, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please Yahweh, all of those things. Every one of us is on a journey of faith. Each of those journeys different and yet really and truly at their core all the same. The writer of Hebrews called it a race. He said, let us run this race with endurance, this race that's set before us, and this journey, this race of faith. It's not always predictable, is it? I mean, if you could see the outcome of every circumstance in your life, it wouldn't really be faith, would it? Uh, six, seven years ago, I never in a million years, anyway, I'll say, would have dreamed that I'd be here today on this Sabbath day speaking to you. Okay. Um, it doesn't take much faith to turn down a road that you know where you're going to end up, does it? It doesn't take a whole lot of faith, but it takes a lot to go down a road that you don't know. And that's sort of where we're at today. We're to be people who walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, back up half a page in your Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Faith is, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I heard somebody say that that's a definition of faith. I don't think that's a definition of faith. I don't know how you define something like faith. But I'll tell you what that verse says to me. When I read that, that tells me what faith does. It tells me what faith does. Two things. Number one, it says that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the realization of things hoped for. 
It's as real as if it was already there. You know, the Bible talked about Abraham and offering his son Isaac. I want you to stop and think about that one for just a minute. And it says that Abraham believed Yahweh and it was accounted to him for his righteousness. Abraham believed as if it was already there. You know, the Bible says he said that he believed that Yahweh could raise him from the dead even if he killed him. He believed it like it already happened. Boy, if that's not faith, I don't know what is. It's the realization of things hoped for. And the second thing that faith does, it's confidence in things not seen. Evidence, it says, of things not seen. Many things in the Bible that I just don't understand, that I can't comprehend. But I have confidence in their reality for this reason. I have confidence because you're always faithful. I have confidence that those things that I don't understand uh, will indeed come true because you're always faithful and he always has been. I believe that what he says is true. I believe in this book. I believe the things that are contained in this book, whether I understand them or not. I believe that creation happened just like it says. I believe that he spoke and it happened. You know, I believe in the flood because it's in the Bible. I told someone once, I believe that a donkey talked. And as crazy as that sounds, I believe it because it's in the Bible. I believe a man can be swallowed by a fish and live in it for three days. It seems so absurd, doesn't it? But it's in the Bible. And I believe it. I believe in the virgin birth. Because it's in the Bible. I believe in Yeshua Messiah, though I've not seen him. I have confidence in him because the Bible tells me about him. My faith gives me confidence in Yahweh's work in my life, even when I can't see it. The world says seeing is believing. Faith says believing is seeing. Doesn't it? I thought about Mary the mother of Yeshua, a young teenage girl, the angel comes to tell her what's going to happen. She has no idea what he's saying to her. She can't begin to understand in a million years. And yet she says, behold, the handmaiden of Yahweh, let it be to me according to his will. You see, she believed without seeing. You might ask where that confidence comes from. If you look at verse 3, it'll tell you where that confidence comes from. It says, My faith, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of Yahweh, and so that the things which, were, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It talks about Yahweh as creator, and again, I've shared probably from here, if we really can wrap our minds around the first 10 words of the Bible, none of the rest of it will be hard for us. If we believe that Elohim created out of nothing everything that there is, then why in the world can we not trust him with anything in our life? Would anybody say hallelujah? You see, we can have confidence. We can have faith. I have faith in this book because I trust the author. Okay. And I may not know the end of my road or my race in this life, but I follow somebody who does. And, and, and this race of faith that each of us must 
race, what's involved in it, and if we're going to believe without seeing, if we're going to have that kind of confidence, what does it take? The first thing that I'll share with you this, it, it, let us consider, I'd call it uh, a testimony of faith. Testimony of faith. This whole chapter 11 of Hebrews is, is really considered this great um, faith chapter, and it tells us all these great stories of men and women in the Bible and the great things that they had done and how Yahweh worked on their benefit and how things worked out. Verse 4, by faith Abel, it starts talking about him, offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And, and I like the end of that, and, and it says, and through it he being dead still speaks. Great testimony of his faith still speaking to us. By faith Enoch was taken away and he didn't see death. And he had this testimony, it says, that he pleased Yahweh. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Do you think Noah understood all of the things that Yahweh was saying to him? He gave him very specific instructions of building a boat. Nobody had even built a boat before. By faith, he did that. That's his testimony, and we have that today for us to look at. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he had received as an inheritance. Remember what Yahweh said to him? He said, I want you to go, and you're going to go to a place, and I'll tell you about it when you get there. Boy, that's pretty vague instructions, isn't it? Pretty vague instructions, and yet it says that he rose early in the morning and he took off. By faith, Abraham did that. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promises, in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past the age listen because she judged him faithful who had promised you hear that listen to Sarah it wasn't about how old she was it wasn't about the condition of her body it wasn't about how crazy the promise seemed to her she believed it because she had faith in the one who told her and I like this next verse it says therefore from one man listen in him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand on the seashore. By one man, him as good as dead. Abraham, a hundred years old, and Sarah, ninety. And it said, by this one man and this one woman's faith, now you see all of the heirs that come from Abraham. Uh, I have a note in my Bible on that twelfth verse that says, uh, we need to take Yahweh out of the box that we put him in sometimes. And I'll give you that for free. You know what I'm saying? By one man and him as good as dead, all these things happen. Hey, when we can only think in the terms of the things that we can see and we can understand, we've put Yahweh in a tiny box. Well, I think we need to take him out of that box sometimes. Okay. This testimony of faith, the Bible is full of stories, full of accounts of people just like these, many that are not listed here, 
people who had great faith and their testimony speaks to us today. There's just a few. I thought of Elijah standing there on Mount Carmel. Could you imagine with all the prophets of Baal and them doing their thing all day long and him just sitting back? And I don't know if he knew what was going to happen or not. But you know, he told to him, he said, dig a ditch around this and I want you to pour water on it. You know, that's pretty gutsy, isn't it? If you got a little bit of faith. But he didn't, he had a whole lot. Because he said, I want you to pour some more water on it. It's not wet enough yet. You, you begin to see what I'm saying? He looked at that and he said, it's not wet enough yet. You need to pour some more water on it. You see, Elijah had what we need to have. Elijah had the kind of faith that when he couldn't see and he couldn't understand, he knew that Yahweh was going to come through and not just show up, but boy, he was going to show out that day. You see, it's a testimony of his faith that we have today for our example. I think of the widow woman whose oil didn't run out. Every day she picked up that jug and she poured out of it. Every day. See, that was faith. I think of Daniel cuddling up with them kitties all night. <laughs> By faith. I thought of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys, getting thrown in that furnace. It says that not only did they not get burned up, but they didn't even smell like smoke. By faith, they did those things. I thought of Mary, the mother of Yeshua, I've already told you. You know, by faith. I thought of all the, the apostles. I thought of Paul and Silas in jail. I thought of our Savior, Yeshua Messiah, who went to the stake. By faith. We have all of those accounts in the Bible for a reason, that our faith might be strengthened by their testimony. And then I thought of this, I thought of people I know in my life who I've seen walk a walk of faith. I have their testimony. And then I have this, if none of those don't count for anything, I have this, I have my own testimony where I have seen in my life Yahweh come through in miraculous and crazy ways. You see, all of those things we have for a reason, we need that to build our faith. We need to know that, that Yahweh was working in the Old Testament in their life, and we need to know that he's still working in your life and mine today, and we need to know that tomorrow he's still going to be working. You see, we need that to build our faith if we're going to make, be successful in this race that we're to run. The testimony of faith that we've seen. This race is not easy, though. And let me say this to you. Beware of the obstacles. Beware of the obstacles that you might find, might find in this race of faith. Uh, there's some things that make running a race much more difficult. Would we agree? I saw, um, I saw a, a video of uh, people racing in high heels. 
Isn't that crazy? Uh, I saw women do it. I even saw men doing it, by which that shouldn't surprise us in this world. But, but I thought, boy, that's a hard way to run, running in high heels. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even stand in them. I'd break my legs, sure as the world. But people run in high heels. There's another race which I would like to participate in, uh, and you may have seen this, where the men get their wives on their shoulders, and it's like an obstacle course that they run through. I think that'd be fun. Um, so it might be fun, but it would, listen, my wife on my shoulders would certainly hinder my performance in my race, wouldn't she? Even as tiny as she is. When I was in the army, uh, and anybody who's been in military service knows what I'm going to say, or, or can understand what I'm going to say. When I was in the army, we used to have you know, a rucksack full of equipment, and we carried a weapon, and we had boots and a helmet. Uh, soldiers now have bulletproof vests. We didn't have them when I was in. They didn't care if we got shot back then. <laughs> now they have bulletproof vests and all this. And let me tell you, all that stuff might look cool to you that have never been in the service. Uh, but I promise you, all of those things impair your service. Okay? Uh, all of those things uh, are are... They're extra baggage that you wish you didn't have to carry. And, and it would be so much easier without all the extra baggage if we're going to run a race. And the same thing is true of our race of faith. Uh, listen to me. Sometimes we carry burdens that make our race much more difficult. Do you hear me? Uh, um, verse, chapter 12, this verse 1, it says... Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those is, this is that testimony of faith. He says, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run this race. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Um, what is the weight the baggage, if you will, that makes our race of faith so difficult to run. And I can answer that easily and say it's sin in general. It's sin. And boy, everybody gets comfortable when the man on stage says the word sin. Um, these are the sins that hamper our race of faith. Listen to me. Big sins, little sins, obvious sins, hidden sins, see, all of those. And don't get uncomfortable, by the way, when the preacher talks about sin, because it's something that we all deal with. It's something that we all deal with. And concerning sin, I want to say briefly at least three or four things. The first thing about this, if you want to get rid of the baggage in your life and the sin that holds you back from running this race of faith that Yahweh intends for you to run, the first thing that you have to do is you have to take ownership of your own. Have to take ownership of your own. Does that make sense? Who you are or where you're at, you're not a product of society, you know, if you're living in sin. It's not your parents' fault. I'm not going to say they don't have some part to do with it. Uh, let me tell you whose fault it is. It's yours. And I can say, and that's as much love as I can muster on that subject. 
The book of Hosea says this, and this is what we need to understand. It says, you have stumbled because of your iniquity. It's your fault. If you find yourself where you're at. Okay. So take ownership. The second thing that I'd tell you is root it out. Root it out in your own life. It's easy to see somebody else's fault, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm looking at all y'all, and boy, I can just stand up here and click it off. This and this and this, you know. It's so easy to see it in someone else. The, the problem often is seeing it in ourselves. And I said, first, take ownership of it and realize it's yours. And second, root it out. Quit looking for fault in someone else and look at it. You got enough work to do in your own life. Okay. Root it out. Um, the, the third part about it um, is, is confession. And the Bible says that if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive. Let me tell you the issue of this confession. You're not telling Yahweh some dirty little secret about your life that he don't know. Do you understand that? You might can confess to your husband or your wife or your mother or your father something that they don't know about you, but your confession to Yahweh is not about telling him some dirty secret that's in your life. Here's what it's about. It's, it's about agreeing with him that it's wrong. It's about agreeing with him that it's wrong. And then fourthly, sin in your life, repent. Repent. Um, it's not good enough to feel bad about the sin in your life. I want you to feel bad enough about it that you want to stop doing it. You see... And that's the whole issue with sin in our life. Said that is uh, the the weight that stops us from running the race that Yahweh expects for us to run. Let us lay aside every weight, and then he says, um, uh, "Lay aside." I, I thought as I read that I can't help but think that there's some people who are running around um, just waiting on their weight to fall off. You know what I'm saying? I believe there's some people who think that maybe if I do this or that, you know, if I work harder, if I run faster, if I, you know, join this group or join that or, you know, whatever a million things that may be going on in their mind, I think they think that, that, that somehow in the midst of all that, this sin and this weight that's in their life is just going to fall off and they're going to shed it like a skin or something and walk away from it. Can I tell you that's not how it works? If you're waiting on your sin to just leave you, it's going to be with you forever. You have to lay it aside, you see, on purpose. Um... If you want to get rid of the sin that's holding you back, you have to lay it aside. And, and where sin's concerned, the ball's always in your court. You have to clean up your own backyard. You can try to live with it. How's that work out for you? Not too good. Okay. Or you can lay it aside. The book of Colossians says that we're to put it to death. That we're to put it to death. Lay aside every weight, sin in general. And then it talks about, and not only that, but laying aside this sin which so easily ensnares us, traps us. And, and, and I've heard people say that this is some besetting sin that's in your life, you know, and I, maybe. Uh, but I think in context of what we're talking about here, 
Uh, there's a sin which is likely common to each one of us at some point in time in our life. And it's a sin that, that hinders our race of faith. And here's what it is. It's the sin of unbelief. That's what I think he's talking about. Talking about living in faith, I, I believe he's talking here about the sin of unbelief. The Bible says we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And boy, that's easy to say when you're on top of the mountain, isn't it? But what about when you're in the valley? What then? You see, here's what I know. I know that our faith is never really tested until Yahweh asks us to bear something that seems unbearable. You know what I'm saying? It's never really tested until he asks us to do something that seems so unreasonable. It's never really tested until he asked us to expect something that seems so impossible. Did you get that? What about in those times? What about in those days? You know, can you see how easy the sin of unbelief can creep into our life when life is uncertain? When we don't know the end of the road? Peter walking on the water, remember he walked on the water, praise Yahweh, and he did. But then he began to, the Bible says, to begin to see the wind and the waves, and he got scared and he began to sink. See, he started that journey in faith. It takes a lot of faith just to step out of a boat and walk. But in the midst of that, when trouble came, Peter experienced the same sin that each one of us can experience in our life. It's the sin of unbelief. That sin that so easily ensnares us, he said. This race of faith, rely on a testimony of faith. Beware of the obstacles around you. And then finally, just run the race that Yahweh set before you. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So a few things I'd share with you about that. Uh, the first is this. You have to run. <laughs> you have to run. Uh, this life, the life of a believer, I don't think is a life, is an idle life. Does that make sense to anybody? I don't think it's an idle. We got enough people standing on the sidelines cheering. What we need is we need people to get in the game. We need people who, you know, are not content to just walk, but we need people who want to run. We need people who want to get involved. We need people who want to be excited. We need people with some passion. Does that make sense to anybody except me? Here's what I think. I think with all my heart that many people, maybe even some sitting here today, are content to come in here and sit down for an hour or two on Sabbath, maybe hang out half a day and eat lunch and walk and visit, and you walk out of this place, and the rest of the week you do nothing. The rest of the week you sit idle. Listen, we need people to run. We need people to have passion. I made a funny post, I thought was a funny post anyway, 
on Facebook, you can tell when I'm bored and home from work, I post on Facebook. And, and I put a picture of an empty jar of mayonnaise. Duke's mayonnaise, that's our big thing in South Carolina. Nobody out here even knows about it. But everybody in South Carolina that I know was just posting what a travesty it was that I was out of that mayonnaise. And boy, don't try Hellman's, you know. That's of the devil, you know. You gotta, I mean, it was insane. People calling me, a woman called me, her husband worked for the company, said, I'll send you all you want. I mean, they were genuinely concerned that we couldn't get Duke's mayonnaise in Texas. That's funny, isn't it? I told Rhonda, I said, boy, if we was half that passionate about sharing the gospel. I mean, if, if we even a tenth that passionate about walking out of this place and talking to people about Yahweh. Listen, if this assembly had a drop of that passion for changing the world, changing Cisco, Texas, and the world around us, we could do it. But we've got to stop sitting on the sidelines and watching somebody else. We've got to get in the game and run our own race. Amen? Amen. Listen, we've got, we got to run. Not only do we have to run, it's, it's, we have to run with endurance. Let us run with endurance. Can I tell you, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Uh, this race is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you're going to need endurance. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 20, Yeshua is talking about, gives the parable of the sowers. And, he, and, and in talking about it, he said, Some seed fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth but when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away and he explained that in verse 20 and he said but he who received the word on stony places this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy and yet he has no root in him and he endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word immediately he stumbles listen we need to have endurance to run this race. Don't give up. Don't give up. I like, and I didn't include this when I, when I kind of glossed over this 11th chapter, but I wanted to spend just a minute uh, talking about, look at verse 30. This will be Hebrews 11 and 30. It's talking about Jericho. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. I like that he included that, and, and I like that, that he said we have to run with endurance, and I'm going to tell you why. I imagine Joshua and his army probably had a pretty good plan for how they're going to breach the walls of Jericho. They cross over into the promised land and the first thing Yahweh tells them you're going to have to attack the largest most heavily defended city in the area you're going to have to totally destroy it and I imagine they made great plans for all of the things that they would do how they had breached the wall probably talked about big logs and pulling with horses I don't know all of the things but remember Yahweh said to Joshua, he said, that's not what you're going to do. Here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to walk around it quietly for six days. 
And on the seventh day, I want you to shout and the walls will fall down. I don't know about you, but that's the craziest plan I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I'll bet you Joshua thought the th- same thing. So this is what they did. Listen, on day one, they walked around the city. Doesn't sound very exciting, does it? Day two, listen, this is what they did. Day two, they walked around the city. Day three, they walked around the city. By the way, <clears throat> now they're three days into it, and I dare say no bricks are falling out of that wall yet. I bet the people on top of that wall by this time thought these people were complete idiots. And I imagine in my mind they're hollering down at them, what in the world are you crazy people doing walking around this city? Day four comes. Guess what they did? They walked around the city. Day five, they walked around the city. Day six, they walked around the city. Still, walls not coming down. No cracks, no bricks coming down. Nothing happening. Can I tell you, I bet they were tempted, they were very tempted to quit. I would have been after about three days. But on the seventh day, listen, here's what they did. They endured. And on the seventh day, it said they walked around the city and they shouted with a great shout and the walls fell down flat. I'm telling you, we've got to run with endurance. And somebody needs to hear this today, I think for this reason, because Yahweh has something planned for you. Some, some, something about this race of faith that you alone can run and you're going to be tempted to quit on day six. And on day seven, it could be that is just the day that he's going to come through. You see, we always want it in our own timing, don't we? It doesn't work that way. Run with endurance. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run with endurance. Run. Run with endurance. Finally, this I'll say to you, run your race. Run your race. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I can't run yours and you can't run mine. They're individual. Here's what we can do. While I can't run your race, I can help you. I can help you run yours. You ever see in, in these marathons, it's always encouraging to me, and most of those you'll see at the very end of that, people just exhausted and give out. It always encourages me to see the competitors come along and put an arm around them and kind of help them to the finish line. You ever see that? Boy, that's encouraging. Listen, that's what we need to do to our brothers and sisters. We need to help. We can't run their race, but we can help them run their race. Okay. And then this, and I will quit. Um, we need to, you need to run your race even when it appears that it's not going to be an apparent victory. You know what I'm saying? Because not every race ends in an apparent victory. I do love, said this 11th chapter, that talks about uh, Yahweh coming through in all these great ways and the Red Sea parting and the walls falling. But it doesn't end with that. You see, you have to read the end of the chapter to know the truth. Uh, The truth is that 
Yahweh may not come through like that in your life and in your race. You see, that's the truth. Look, verse 30. Um, verse 35. Uh, this says, women receive their dead raised again to life. Boy, and we'd say hallelujah for that. But then I want you to listen to this. But others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. It says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not even worthy. Oh, boy, I love it when Yahweh comes through in a great way in my life, and I love to see it when he comes through in a great way in someone else's life. But listen, that's not always the case. That's not always the case. These are the times when we need to run with endurance. These are the times when we need to stop worrying and, 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 and fretting over the circumstance in our life. And we need to put our focus where it rightly should be. And here's where it rightly should be. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking under, unto Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, in those times, we need to put our eyes like Peter did back on, not on the waves and the wind that's so boisterous around us, but we need to put our eyes on that day on our Savior. And I pray that you do. This life is a race that we all have to run. I pray that you run your own race. I pray that you run with endurance. And I pray that Yahweh would bless you in this day.